This is the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast with Andy Hill, session number 36. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Thanks for being here today, everyone. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. This is a super convenient audiobook service that puts a collection of the best books right in your pocket. I listen in my car, on my morning runs, or while doing my unending lawn work. (laughs) Right now, I'm listening to The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. It is giving me a whole new perspective on how I can relate with my wife, Nicole. If you're interested in listening to The Five Love Languages or any other book for free, Audible is offering the listeners of this show one free audiobook and a 30-day free trial at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash audible. You'll be supporting this show with your subscription if you use that link. Again, that is marriagekidsandmoney.com slash audible. Okay, let's jump into the show. Credit cards. Swipe, swipey, swipe, swipe, swipey, swipe. If you're... (laughs) I thought that was fun. If you have a problem or you want something real bad, credit cards can solve your problem immediately. You want some new threads, you want to buy a fancy dinner or even a tropical vacation, just throw it on the credit card, right? Well... That quick and easy solution might cure our bad case of wantsies, or we want-itis, but long-term credit card use and dependency on those without having a solid cash flow plan that you're sticking to will most definitely create infinitely more problems for us. In what seems like no time at all, we're making payments with like freaking 18% interest on a vacation we took two years ago. The memory of those good times laying on the beach drinking your Corona don't seem so epic anymore. Now, I'm personally not anti-credit cards. I'm anti-credit card abuse. If we don't have the ability to live on a consistent monthly budget, Credit cards are not for us, my friends. That is my personal opinion. When we have high-interest credit cards that are eating away at our monthly earnings, we need to make a change. We simply cannot live a life of freedom, security, and happiness when we have credit card debt with freaking 18% interest. It's just not possible. I had the privilege to speak with one couple that has been made famous for their ability to drop their dependency on the almighty credit card after eliminating $51,000 in debt. John Schneider and David Auten used to live for today. Dinners, clubs, clothes, you name it, they bought it. After a while, the debt really started to pile up. Those high-interest credit cards took a major, major, major toll on their financial situation. Once they realized, once they had that epiphany moment that this debt-burdened lifestyle was not for them, they made a plan, partnered as a couple, and destroyed, obliterated, annihilated their debt. Today, John and David are better known as the debt-free guys. Their debt destruction story and their mission to financially empower the LGBT community has been covered in global publications like Business Insider, Forbes, and Time. On the show today, John, David, and I discuss how they racked up that 51k in credit card debt, what motivated them to power their way out, and how they are currently empowering the LGBT community to take control of their finances as well. If you're living with high-interest credit card debt or you just want to hear how this couple partnered together to really change their future, 
Stick with us today and enjoy the show. Without further delay, let's jump into my conversation with the debt-free guys, John Schneider and David Auden. Welcome, everybody. I've got some excellent guests today. John Schneider and David Auten are here with us. How's it going, John and David? Great. Hello, Thank Andy. you. Thank you for glad having us. Here. We're excited to be here. Excellent. Excellent. I'm so glad to have you guys both. You guys have a very unique story about debt destruction and uh, love and everything all mixed together. So we're excited to uh, <laughs> excited to talk about it. So love and money. That was a that was a movie, wasn't it? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, those are the, usually the tough topics, right? When you talk about love and money, because you know uh, if you if you have one and you have the other, it's it's a true combination and a true victory if you're able to make them both work. So. Let's get into that today. So, how did you guys? Uh, how did you guys meet? <laughs> so we met uh, in 2000, actually, in a, a, a gay dance club in Denver. <laughs> I was very actually, cliche. Very cliche. Yeah, um, I was actually uh, my girl, uh, a friend of mine who was a girl, and she was living with uh, us at the time. Uh, she and I went to a club, club called Tracks. She wanted a, nan- a night to dance, and uh, I said, "Well, come with me. You can you can hang out with with the gay boys and not get hit on all night." And she said, "That sounded perfect." So she and I were dancing, and all of a sudden, she ran into this hot guy, yeah. and it turned out that um, she was David's biology TA. Um, David was just wrapping up school then, and so uh, so she introduced me to him, and um, three years later, we got together and became uh, forever thing. Yeah. That's awesome. So you guys, you guys met just after after school then. Um, so yeah, I had moved out uh, early two thousand uh, to Denver, mm-hmm. and it wasn't long after that that uh, I met David. And you had graduated in two thousand four. Yeah, okay. yeah. David went to school part time and worked full time. Okay, very cool, very cool. So yeah. so you guys, pulled, go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say I pulled the smart route um, and got my employer to pay for college. So I graduated with zero student loan debt. <laughs> oh, now you're talking. That's awesome. <laughs> right. That is awesome. He went non-traditional but free. Yep. Very cool. So now you guys are together. Can you can you tell us a little bit about what you guys do today and your and your goals and what you guys are doing as as the debt-free guys? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, John and I um, have a debt story of getting out of debt. Well, I think we'll probably talk a little bit that, about that later, but getting out of debt was basically our impetus to um, to try to encourage more, especially in the LGBT community, to become financially aware, astute, and to try to live better lives financially um, instead of uh, just living for the moment, which is kind of what got us in our problem. <laughs> so uh, we, uh, after we got out of debt, we decided to write a book. Uh, that took us a, quite a few years. Um, and we tried to sell that book to publishers and nobody wanted it because we didn't have a platform. So hence the Debt Free Guys was born. Uh, that is now our, our primary platform uh, where we blog. Uh, we also have a podcast called Queer Money, which uh, we do a little bit of money advice and a little bit of uh, talking about uh, individuals in the uh, LGBT community who are successful uh, in all aspects of their lives and how they're doing that so that we can use them as models. Excellent. So you, you mentioned the LGBT community as a, an area that maybe needs a little bit of help with uh, with their finances. Can you tell me why that is? Yeah, so we went to a conference in 2015 called FinCon. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, we were just the debt-free guys. And we were sort of speaking to, at that time, we were novices and we were speaking to everybody. And it wasn't until a little bit after that conference that we realized that if you're speaking to everybody, you're speaking to nobody. And so we figured, based on that conference and what we learned, we figured out well, who, do, who is it we really want to, want to speak to. Um, and we started to create an avatar. And as we created that avatar, all of a sudden, lo and behold, it was us, <laughs> um, like five years prior. And so we thought, you know, there when we were at this personal finance conference, there were mommy bloggers and there were coupon bloggers and there were military spouses and, um, you know, there were the, the, the straight couples speaking to other straight couples. And we thought, well, no one's speaking to the LGBT community. And um, we had known from our years in financial services that and struggling with our employer in financial services, um, that nobody was really speaking to the LGBT community about finance. Um, and pretty much, if you look at most publications, um, except for some of the stuff that we've written, <laughs> um, you look at most of the uh, publication from uh, the bigger financial services firms and, and uh, journals, uh, you'll see that pretty much after uh, same-sex marriage passed in June of 2015, a lot of the discussion about 
personal finance for the LGBT community has stopped. And there are, are still some nuances um, that, that still need to be addressed. Um, you know, there, there are some additional risks and concerns that our community has um, that we need to take advantage of and take care of. Excellent. Excellent. So you, you, you had mentioned in that, in that uh, response there that you said you were both working in the financial services industry. Can you talk a little bit about the jobs you had or the ones you still have? What, what's, what's, what's your background there? Yeah, so ironically, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. So ironically, um, you know, we got together in two, uh, 2003. And by that point, uh, we had about 15 years uh, of, in combined tenure in financial services. David worked for a mutual fund company and I was with a, a retail broker dealer. And um, uh, I was I was a combination of a trader and um, uh, a strategist and uh, eventually got into compliance and David uh, got into, you were in trading and financial advisory as well, and then he got into the technical side of things, creating uh, trading platforms. Um, I have since left my, uh, I guess my W-2 job, uh, and David is still, so I can focus on debt-free guys, and David is uh, still currently working for his W-2. Excellent, very cool. So um, any any time spent in those industries that uh, that made you excited about maybe taking a different path on either being an entrepreneur or looking at finances in a different way? Uh, well, I think that um, it, it was very motivating for us uh, when we looked around and we didn't see um, other institutions really trying to appeal to um, the queer community. Uh, one of the things that I, I like to share is you know some of the biggest firms in uh, in the industry have trillions of dollars in assets under management, and if we do a conservative estimate of four uh, percent of those assets are housed or are in the household where the household is is uh, identifies as LGBT, we're talking about hundreds of millions, if not billions, of dollars. But those firms are not spending a penny appealing to that audience. And that was kind of the impetus for us. We tried uh, with our previous employer to try to encourage them to do that. And we didn't see that happening. And um, it was it was actually part of that reason was was kind of the push for us to go ahead and leave our previous employer behind because we knew that this message needed to be uh, shared with our community as well. We all uh, identify um, and find common ground in whether it's a commercial or an advertisement online or um, we hear somebody's voice and we can identify with the story that they're telling, that draws us closer to that company or that individual. And we feel that there's a lot of companies out there that um, could do a better job. And that's part of the reason why we're doing what we're doing. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's great. You guys are going to get um, hooked up with those right companies and and hopefully help people understand the uh, uh, the the advantages of the market that you just described and and, and catering to them. So um, absolutely. So let's let's jump back to uh, when you guys got together. It sounds like um, sounds like you piled up quite a bit of debt. So how, how do you think that happened when you guys were getting together? How did that debt pile up? <laughs> Um, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> no, so um, when I moved out to Denver in early 2000, my grandparents um, had given me $5,000 cash to start my adulting years. He was rich. <laughs> and um, it was within less than a year after that that I had a $30,000 deficit. He was poor. <laughs> um you know, David and I came from a time, and a lot of people in our generation came from a time and a place when it wasn't okay to be gay. Uh, so, you know, we came from a place where we were bullied and picked on and dismissed because we were different. And that, for us, in our community, uh, for many of us, created creates limiting beliefs about ourselves, about money, and about what we're worth. Um, so when I moved out to Denver, you know, I, I was new to the community and I was trying to fit in. And so I, every weekend I needed a new, I thought I needed a new outfit so that I looked like I belonged. Um, and when I got out to, to Denver, I bought wall to ceiling, I'm sorry, wall to floor, uh, floor, I'm sorry, ceiling to floor, wall to wall, pottery barn furniture, um, and a brand new car all bought on credit, um, so that I looked like I was successful. Um, and you know, I was doing all of these things personally doing all these things so that other people would think better of me than I thought of myself. Um, and so that's how I personally acquired my $30,000 worth of, of credit card debt. Um, that was, that was my portion of the debt and similar, uh, David's story is, is somewhat similar, you know, and then when we got together, we sort of magnified each other's bad behaviors, um, trying to fit into our community, even though, um, you know, 
we were finally in the community where we could be ourselves and we felt like we belonged, we still carried those limiting beliefs about ourselves. And so we were trying to um, prove that we belonged in those communities and not be ostracized by, ostracized by our new communities like we were with, from our old. So when Dave and I got together, we went to many happy hours that lasted much longer than an hour. We were going out. <laughs> with, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think we actually went to any any happy hour that was less than 30, uh, less than uh, 61 minutes. Um, we went to expensive dinners um, that we couldn't afford despite having an overflowing refrigerator. And we, were, we went on tons of vacations, all bought on credit, um, because we thought we, we deserved those things, but we never actually earned them. Um, and like I said, the irony is that you know at that time we had about fifteen thousand, I'm sorry, fifteen years worth of financial services experience between the two of us. So here we were helping other people worth their money, but we couldn't help ourselves. So you know I always say that we were the cobbler's kids just with unfortunate shoes. Um, you know we knew our BMI, but we didn't know our our net worth. We spent way more time at the gym than we ever spent on a budget, and that kind of manifested itself uh, to a total of fifty one thousand dollars between the two of us. Wow. So you had, John, you said you had about 30 and then David is around 15, 20, something like that. Yeah. John's, uh, John's under, underestimating his by a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shooting for round numbers. Yeah. It was, uh, it's actually two thirds his and one third mine. What was interesting is that, um, John and I are the, the classic story of the nickel and dimer and the big spender. Um, he would make these big purchases every weekend and going out and buying clothes and, and furniture and things like that. And, um, I was the person who was just every day stopping for a bagel and coffee, every going out to lunch every day and just letting those kinds of things accumulate. Mm. Uh, and the crazy thing is, is I always had cash in my account. I always had cash in my bank account, but I would always use my credit card instead. And it was this kind of safety mechanism in my head that I, you know, I always have, always have money. Well, I always had money, but it was money that was going out the door to credit cards, really. Yeah. So if you think about $51,000 with a credit card debt, that's a 20% down payment on a $255,000 house. And we were spending $10,000 a year financing that debt. So that's like several vacations a year that we could have gone on. Um, and that was, you know, we were clearly not spending or, or living our lives right. So that kind of all culminated one night after um, one, one weekend after we had spent uh, the weekend in the mountains. And we were sitting on our the basement floor or the floor of our basement apartment, which was so dark that even during the daytime you couldn't see what time you could tell what time of day it was and we admitted to ourselves our lives weren't going in the direction that we had hoped that they were going in here we were 230 something financial services professionals living in a rented basement apartment <laughs> and our friends were passing us by there were uh, uh, you know a lot of our friends were straight so they were having children they were getting married they were buying houses um, and here we were kind of digging ourselves deeper and deeper into debt while we were moving further and further below ground Wow! Wow! So that so that moment right there helped you to realize the crazy debt you guys were in, and then what, what did you do to start making a change in your life? Obviously, you're not there now. Well, I, actually, I'll take a step back because sure. it it wasn't necessarily that was the that that was the moment we decided to do something about it. Mm-hmm. There's another story as to why we really got to the point where we said, okay, let's uh, let's get rid of our debt. Um, John and I had uh, gone up to the mountains here in Colorado to visit a friend of his, the guy he had moved out to Colorado with. We went up to see he and his girlfriend. Um, and they lived in this really cool ski town. And John and I loved that town. We were up there and it was one of the first times that we spent a significant amount of time up there together. So um, we were leaving town on Saturday, or I'm sorry, on Sunday. And we had this kind of fantasy idea in our head. He said, and said, let's stop and check out real estate. So we stopped at a real estate office and we were checking out property and stuff like that. And we, um, decided to leave head out of town and, um, we headed out of town past the sign that said elevation 9,121 feet. And that's kind of where we were at in this kind of spirit of our mind of fantasy of being able to buy land and build a house. And we crested over the mountain and we started heading down towards Denver. And as we dropped an elevation, it went from building, buying land and building a house to maybe just buying a place that already exists to maybe we couldn't even rent a place up there. And as John said, we got back to our place opened up the door, walked down a flight of stairs into our basement apartment. And it was this kind of realization of going from this fantasy of wanting to buy land and, and build a house for a vacation home when we lived in a basement apartment. <laughs> we didn't even own our own home. And it was this kind of whole, 
hour and a half ride where we really kind of exposed to each other that we were financial messes. We, we, there's no reason we should be talking about buying a vacation home. And that's when we said, this is not how we want to live. Oh, that's great. Well, that's a great, that's a great story. And it also is a, a great visual reference as you guys are heading down, heading down the, the mountain. Absolutely. So you guys, so what can we do? What, what did you do at that point to head back up that mountain to where you guys want to be today? <laughs> yeah. So we, st- um, the first thing we did is we realized that, you know, we had to stop living the way that we were living. So we made the commitment on that basement floor that we were going to do whatever we had to do to become debt free. And we started to, um, over the courses of a couple of weeks to have discussions about, uh, you know, what is it we truly want? Why are we here? What are, what are our goals in life? Why are we together? Um, and so we started to, um, we created a plan that helped us pay off our debt. And, you know, rather than going out to those expensive dinners that we couldn't afford anyway, we started to stay in and we reserved that money to put towards our debt. And suddenly $51,000 became $40,000. And we figured out, uh, also figured out a way to lower our credit card interest rates down to zero, and is, which is what we call the debt lasso method. And we funneled that money that we were saving towards our debt, and suddenly $40,000 became $25,000. And then we became super – we didn't realize this until after we did um, a spending analysis of our finances, but we were blowing our grocery budget out month after month despite going out to all these expensive dinners. And we became super meticulous about our grocery shopping sticking with our budget, having a menu, not buying anything that wasn't on the grocery list. And suddenly uh, $25,000 dropped down to $10,000. And I think I lost a dress size. Uh, <laughs> David played like he ate it. <laughs> <laughs> And then, um, you know, we started to say no to our friends and family when they invited us to do expensive things that we really couldn't afford anyway. And we pretty much became the Julie Cruz directors in Denver of the free and cheap things to do. So we still had fun, but we were still saving money. And then that savings uh, from uh, not living that high lifestyle we put towards our debt. And within two and a half years, six months prior to what we had expected, we paid off our $51,000 worth of credit card debt. And it wasn't long after that that we moved out of our dark, dank basement apartment <laughs> into the 12th floor condo of a high rise that overlooks downtown Denver and the Rocky Mountains. So um, we're never confused about what time of day it is. We're, we're some of the last people to see the sunset nearly every single day in Colorado. And it wasn't long after that that we went on an all-cash expense um, trip uh, for 30 days down under to New Zealand and Australia. So we were able to to, um, to check off a, a gay bucket list. We saw Kylie Minogue perform live in our home country. <laughs> we went to um, Mardi Gras, which is kind of pretty much their pride. We swam this, uh, the Great Barrier Reef off of Cairns. We uh, swam with dolphins off the coast of New Zealand. So we had an amazing trip those 30 days, and we came back debt-free. So we had no debt in our account. But at that point, we had you know a fortune in memories and it was at that time we started to realize you know what we most wanted in life and we're often asked in interviews you know how we how do we pay off that so much debt so quickly and ultimately we realized that it was we found out what our purpose was we figured out what were the things that motivated us and while we enjoyed the carefree clubbing days and the expensive clothing that we couldn't afford and the fancy dinners out they weren't really what were fueling us um what really fueled us was one we wanted to save for a financially secure retirement um because apparently we did learn something in our 15 years of financial <laughs> services um we wanted to uh, travel the world with much more than we already had and then we wanted to give back to our com- our community and at that time it was a broader community just general population trying to help people with their finances eventually that evolved to debt-free guys and queer money and um, focusing more more on the lgbt community Excellent. So, so after you guys had cleaned up this debt, the two and a half years, and you went on those uh, great adventures, when did um, when did the debt free guys come to fruition? Did that come shortly after that? So, uh, we we towards the end of paying off our debt, we thought we, we started to think that this journey that we were on, there was a reason for it. It wasn't a mistake. Um, and we started to think, well, maybe our, maybe this was something that we were supposed to learn from and that we could use our personal and professional experience to help other people. And that the, the first idea of that was to write a book. So as David said earlier, we, we wrote a book that took several years and we finally wrote the book and we thought, well, you know, when you write a book, you get invited on Oprah and all these <laughs> things happen. To you. And unfortunately, as we learned, that's not what happened. Um, even though publishers liked our our the book that we wrote and they liked our story and who we were, we didn't have a platform. And, and as David says, you know, it's a whole risk reward thing, just like with investing. And so they didn't want to take a, a chance on us. So it was in about 2011 that we created what we call debt free principles, which was on Google blogger. Um, eventually uh, after we decided that uh, it took us a couple of years to realize that this is definitely something that we wanted to focus on. We wanted to leave our W2s behind and focus on our own business. Um, it morphed into debt free guys. 
and that was about uh, October October 2012. 13. 13. Sorry. Yep. Excellent. So you guys have been rocking with that for about four years now. That's awesome. Excellent. So um, you, you mentioned the debt lasso method. I don't want to breeze over that because it sounds like that was a big um, opportunity for you to clobber some debt. And um, this I've heard of the debt snowball. i heard of the debt avalanche. Let's help people out here and talk a little bit of the details on that debt lasso method you used. Sure. So one of the things with the debt lasso, uh, I'm sorry, with the uh, snowball method and the avalanche method is that they focus on paying your debt off more quickly, but they don't focus on how to eliminate one of the biggest hurdles to paying it off quickly, and that is the interest rates. Um, oftentimes, uh, they they focus on just making uh, paying off the one that has the highest interest rate first, or paying off the one that has the lowest balance first. Well, John and I said, get let's get rid of the interest rates, because if we get rid of the interest rates, we're gonna have an extra $10,000 a year to put towards our debt based on the fact that we were spending about $10,000 a year on interest rates. Um, and back at that time, uh, it was the it was the free flowing years of uh, interest rates. Although it's it's not it's that not too restricted, not today. That too restricted <laughs> today, but it was even more so back then that you could get um, relatively easily get a credit card that had zero interest rate, um, pay a small transfer balance fee, and transfer that those rates or you know, those balances over. So that's what we did. Is we we went out and basically what we call lassoed in the lowest interest rate that we could find. And that is what really accelerated our ability to pay off our credit cards much more quickly. And uh, and we did a kind of a combination of both the snowball and the avalanche method because each of us focused on our own debt. Um, but that, that extra $10,000 a year for us in interest not being accrued, it just really expedited everything. Yeah, and even today there there are some credit cards that offer a zero percent zero percent introductory rate for eighteen months, and there is one card out there as recently as last week that offers a zero uh, charge on the balance transfer. Um, so there are some some cards out there that that do that. It just takes a, a little bit of digging around to find them, um, as well. But I'll also add to the that's the caveat that all of our debt was a credit card. Um, so that's how this method mostly work for us. Um, if you have student loan debt or you have uh, you know, mortgage debt or other kinds of debt, that process may not be as easy for you or even possible, um, but it is something to take into consideration. If you're going to do the debt last, or, I'm sorry, the uh, avalanche or the snowball method, look at both sides of the balance sheet. Look at ways you can reduce your interest rate, if at all possible, without incurring too much in fees um, to negate the savings. Right. There's Today, there's a lot of, uh, uh, of peer-to-peer lending and uh, online lending that uh, allows you to in- lower your interest rates. And so we definitely encourage individuals who are trying to pay off their debt, especially their credit card debt, t- to look at those. Um, sometimes those uh, just refinancing your debt can be lower than tra- doing a, a credit card balance transfer. So I encourage you to look at both options. Uh, uh, both of those uh, opportunities. You know, if your student, if your if your debt that you're suffering with is student loan debt, which is um, I think uh, probably a large percent of, of, of podcast listeners, uh, being younger, um, you keep in mind that the social security or that the um, the government is kind of um, clawing back some of the interest that they owe if they're defaulting on their loans when it's time for them to pay out on social security payments. There are some um, baby boomers who are seeing smaller social security checks right now because they haven't finished paying off their student loans. So um, if, if it's not a priority, we encourage you to make it a priority. Yeah, That is insane to hear that, that people <laughs> save their money for their entire lives uh, through social security or being a part of this program that's supposed to protect people in retirement and then it's starting to get taken away from people who are in, in the boomer Boomer age. That's that's yeah. and social security checks aren't big enough. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. I, I think I saw a statistic um, a few weeks ago that said twenty six percent of people who are retiring today have student loan debt. Oh my god, and that's just going to climb and climb and climb. So yeah, like right. you said, find uh, the ability. Yes, for credit cards to consolidate, but yes, for you know companies like SoFi or these other groups that are taking these six seven percent student loans and consolidating them down to you know four three percent. Can, that can make a huge difference if you're trying to clobber the bigger number, especially on student loans. So that's a that's a very good point. Very good point. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders 
no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. For six generations, the Jones family has been providing high-quality meats. And now, we're providing treats for the best member of your family, man's best friend, a.k.a. the goodest boys and girls. Jones Natural Shoes makes bones and treats that are sure to be savored by your dog and are made from the best natural ingredients available. Our flavorful chews are made from natural animal parts and will have your puppy drooling with happiness. From treats like sticks and chews to savory bones and patties, we've got you covered for finding the perfect reward for that special pup in your life. Jones Natural Chews come in all sizes, so make sure to choose the right treat for your pup. And remember, it's important to be supervising your pup when they're enjoying their treats to keep your puppy safe. Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. Or visit jonesnaturalchews.com to get started with our store locator tool. That's Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. So you, you had mentioned one thing in your response there. You said you guys had sort of separated your debt. So you guys were working on it separately at one point. Now that you guys are married, uh, <laughs> does does all of this become our debt or our challenges? How are you guys working your finances? Do you guys combine things now that you're married? Um, so it, at first, um, when John and I were together, uh, we did address our, our finances separately. Um, but it was about maybe a year into um, uh, paying off our debt that we started to consolidate that we started to look at it as his, mine, and ours. <laughs> Actually, it's um, mine, mine, and mine, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we took that approach because as a couple, we grew closer and stronger. Um, and we found that having a common goal of working on something made it easier for us to support each other in doing what it was necessary to pay it off more quickly. Uh, I think that it had we um, isolated or been separate for an extended period of time, it may have been easier for us to not be as supportive as, uh, of each other because it would have been a little bit easier for us to hide whether or not we were making progress. Right. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I, I appreciate you guys uh, sharing that with us today. So let's let's help people out. Let's help people out to, to, to win because we got uh, a couple of financial experts on the phone right now. So. <laughs> Where, where? <laughs> well, let's let's talk about building wealth. I know you guys talk about the importance of net worth. Um, I, I watched a video of yours, of, you know, talking about how you had gone from zero dollars net worth, or maybe negative, <laughs> a negative net worth, to where you are today. Can you talk about why net worth is important for people to consider in their financial journey? Yeah. So I I like to use net worth as basically my report card. Uh, on a regular basis, I check it to see where I'm, what kind of progress I'm making. Um, it al- basically allows me to check in and and set goals. Um, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a, a money, I mean, a numbers nerd, so I have spreadsheets that have uh, numbers on them as to where I want to be by this time next year, and so I basically use that as my motivator to say. I'd rather do this today or not do this today so that I can have that tomorrow. Uh, and it was back in those days when John and I had that credit card debt and we looked at our net worth because that was one of the first things we did when we decided to get out of out of debt is we looked at everything. We took everything into account um, and we had that basically negative net worth because uh, – we had small retirement uh, funds through work, but all of that was taken away because of our debt. Um, so it was once we paid that debt off and we saw that net worth number skyrocket because we still had that balance in our 401ks um, that we said, this is, it, it's as much fun watching it grow as horrible as it feels watching you go down. So we started to look at that number as the impetus for us to improve our lives and make things better. Um, we both believe that the only way for things to get better is to take action. And so if we want to have the net worth and we want to have the lifestyle that we used to think that we had, <laughs> we had to take some sort of action. And that action was to start to accumulate assets. So let's talk about that. So 
what habits are you guys t- having now to accumulate the assets to grow to drop the liability side and uh, and obviously you've, you've taken care of that well uh, but what what uh, habits are you guys doing right now to increase those assets sure uh, one of the first things that John and I did I think and I think that was partly because of being in the financial services industry is we made sure that we were contributing to our 401ks so that we made uh, we put in as at least as much so that we got our employer match. So it, it give, gives us an extra boost there getting that match from our employer. Um, I know that um, that not all plans are structured that way, but if you have an employer-sponsored plan, whether it's a 401k, 403b, uh, five, SEP or something. Yeah, so there's lots of plans out there. Find out what your employer matches it, uh, at and contribute that amount at least. And the nice thing and the thing I love about that is we oftentimes when we get paid, we look at that number of what we got paid and that's what we spend. So if you're setting aside the money before you get paid, you're not going to think about the money being set aside already. Um, so that's our first step is is doing that. The other thing that John and I do is um, we have a direct deposit coming out of um, my paycheck that goes into an account. So again, it's out of sight, out of mind, and that money has been accumulating, uh, and we use that for um, anything from uh, big purchases to emergency savings, um, and that just that amount of money just keeps on accumulating. Um, and I think one of the other things is that John and I um, live what. What many people probably would consider a very modest lifestyle. We've made some financial decisions that have really benefited us. For example, John mentioned that we bought a condo on the 12th floor, look overlooking the downtown and uh, downtown Denver and the mountains. But we also bought a condo that was only one and a half times our salary. Now, granted, it was in 2008 when the market was starting to get a little soft, but we consciously made the decision to not become house poor because we knew that's where all of our money would end up going. And we wanted to grow our net worth. So we focused on finding a place that was comfortable for us, even though our friends and our real estate agent was telling us, hey, you guys could afford a lot more than that. We said, no, this is what we want because we want to be funneling more of our money towards the things that really motivate us or the desires that we have. And like John mentioned earlier, that was travel, Saving for retirement and giving back to our community. That's great. So you yeah. bought that uh, that bought that nice property in 2008. I'm sure that is doing well with your crazy Denver uh, real estate market right now. Well, we were underwater for about two years right after the crash, mm-hmm. um, and it was, you know, it was disappointing. But we we saw um, many of our peers, colleagues, and friends, unfortunately, um, struggling even more um, because you know they bought houses that were much more than they could necessarily afford at the time. Yeah, we had, and, um, we actually had friends who were underwater more than what our place cost, wow. which was which was nice for us to see and hear that we were didn't we didn't make that kind of decision. Yeah, it, was, it was kind of bittersweet, but um, you know, it was it was because we decided what our goals were. And I'll go, I'll go back to that again. You know, when we were living the carefree clubbing days, we just were trying to keep up with everybody. We were keeping up with Mr. and Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Jones. We were keeping up with Mr. and Mr. Smith. We just felt like we had to leave, live this certain kind of lifestyle. And especially for the, the queer community, we're often, we're often portrayed as white, upwardly mobile couples who just have this amazing life. And while there is a percentage of us that have that, it's not much bigger or much different than the general straight community or the general community overall. And I think a lot of the LGBT community tries to fit into that stereotype. And they feel like if they're not fitting into that stereotype that that they're inadequate and it kind of reinforces a lot of those negative beliefs and behaviors from when they were younger. So we always tell like, what is the most important thing to do with your money? figure out what it is you, you want in life. And for us, again, it's, it's, it was retirement, travel, and giving back to our community. And even today when we're, you know, we still like to have a good time. And so, you know, one of us will come home after a hot run and say, hey, do you want to go down to the, the, the tequila bar and ha- have some margaritas? And then we think, okay, do we want to have a tequila, a tequila here in Denver or do we want to have a tequila down in Puerto Vallarta in Mexico? And invariably it's always Mexico. And so we think, okay, well, if we save a little bit more today, then we can go down to Mexico next month. Excellent. I love that. I love the, the your tequila methodology there. That's awesome. <laughs> and I love Puerto Vallarta, by the way. That's like one of my favorite vacation spots. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned the meticulous uh, saving or the meticulous, I guess, planning. Do you guys budget as a couple together as well? 
We have a, a budget, and I look at it probably once once or twice a week. To <laughs> That's just, a lie. He, listens, he looks at it probably once a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I check in to see where we're at. Um, it, I think that um, John and I, um, along with other people who have budgets, learn from them. I mean, our, our budget is never a rigid, hard, fast number that we – um, it, it's never a, um, a no for us. A, our budget is always a yes for us. How can we do what we want to do with our budget? So we have certain categories set up so that we can do the things that we want to do. And um, I just check in to make sure that we're doing okay on those. Sometimes we'll rein in one category so we can overspend on another. Um, sometimes we accidentally overspend on one, or so, one so we have to rein in on the others. So. Yeah. so we do kind of divide and conquer. Uh, you know, I, I see the spreadsheet. Uh, I know I'm, I'm aware of what we're doing, but David is more of the meticulous number crunchers. And especially now, since we're growing a business, we kind of um, I, I focus more right now because I, I, I'm 100 percent employed by our business. Um, I focus more on the business, um, whereas he kind of uh, handles the finances. Excellent, excellent, cool. Well, let's um, let's let's jump into a, a, another topic. I just have to ask. So, summer of 2015. This was a this was a big summer for you um, for you both and and the community that you guys are a part of. Really, um, I was I was honestly happy to be alive to, to see it happen and have it happen. You know during you know such a such a big time uh, of our lives. Really, so how did you guys celebrate that monumentous day when the Supreme Court came down with the decision? <laughs> So we were somewhat dumbstruck. We had both um, we were both working for a W two at the time, so it was everything was kind of going down as we were at work, and I, I think quite honestly we didn't think it was going to happen. You know, after Prop eight passed in um, in California, what we had assumed was probably one of the more liberal states. Um, we and knowing the the diversity of of the bench, we we didn't really think it was going to happen. And so when we got home that night. Uh, all we, what we did was we sat on our couch and we just watched the news from like I think like six to like one in the morning. <laughs> Had a nice glass, a nice bottle <laughs> of wine to celebrate, <laughs> and um, we were just we were just dumbstruck. Um, but then you know it was it was also very emotional for us because we were seeing, um, you know, there of course there were people who were more prescient than we were, and they were they already had their 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 ministers lined up ready to marry them before the law could change, I guess. Um, and so we were, it was kind of you know touching and, and inspiring to to see all these people uh, in our own community try. Being validated, you know. Oprah often talks about, you know, there's the one central theme that all of her guests and what she believes all people in the world have is that we all are seeking validation. And until June of 2015, um, our government wasn't validating our relationships, and so to see that change um, was was quite um, mind-boggling for us. And that's probably due to Dorian's group as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, did, did this change? I mean, the way you just said that with what Oprah just said, did that did that change the way? I guess you feel as a as a person in this country. Does it does it does it give you a, a bigger sense of pride to walk around and know that your relationship with your husband is validated? Well, you know, I think that's a good a good question. You know, we came again from a time and a place, and we never expected that this was going to happen. And there's a there's a contingency of the LGBT community that almost didn't want same-sex marriage to pass, they thought, you know, we're different, we're going to stay different, we're going to, we're going to pave our own path. Um, so to see that change, it, at first, we didn't really respond to it. We thought, uh, you know, maybe we'll get married, maybe we won't. Um, but then as our evolution and thinking progressed, we thought, heck yeah, we're going to do this. <laughs> you know, it, this is our opportunity. And, you know, we kind of, there are a lot in our community who I think partly because of the AIDS crisis um, sort of lived for the here and now. Um, you know, they, they, they didn't expect that they were going to live long, and so they lived for today. Um, and our, because partly because of that and because our relationships weren't validated, we didn't really necessarily – a huge percentage of, percentage of us didn't seek long-term relationships. Um, but we're slowly seeing that change, and, and that's very inspiring because we, we know from history that you know, peop, you know marriage helps people typically live better lives um, personally and financially. Excellent. Well, I, I can't imagine somebody telling me that I could not marry my wife, the person that I love. So I, I'm so happy when that came when that came about, and I'm I'm so happy for you too. So congratulations you. on on your success in your uh, both your marriage and your entrepreneurial journey with Debt Free Guys. So you you guys mentioned uh, the book that you know originally started it all. The uh, and I, I looked it up. The Four Principles of a Debt Free Life is that the book that uh, you guys That's wrote a couple years ago. That's yep, correct. That was our first one. Excellent, excellent. Could you tell us 
what that is about and maybe give us a little uh, little peek under the cover on those four principles? Sure. Yeah, so uh, like John mentioned earlier, when we were getting ourselves out of debt, we started to realize that there were some fundamentals, some foundational principles that um, that really helped us get out of debt. And so that's what we kind of boil down to the four principles of a debt-free life. Um, and I'm going to pull these from memory here. So <laughs> <Go for principle, laughs> principle number one is um, is to be money conscious, um, which uh, I think that most people in society don't even think about. We drive down the road, run, go through a green light, but look back and think, was it red or was it green? And that's kind of how we spend today. We just keep swiping and we don't really aren't conscious of what we're doing with our money. Um, so that's the first one. Um, the second one is uh, live below your means. Um, and I always like to say that no one ever gets rich living above their means. Um, it just doesn't happen. So if you really want a good quality of life, you have to figure out how to live your, below your means and the difference that money you have to put to work making more money for yourself. Um, the uh, the third one is um, cash is king, um, and that to us is um, the focal point of getting out of debt. Um, oftentimes, uh, when we're living in debt, the what what facilitates that is the fact that we have access to to more debt. Um, I think the statistics are that um, people spend twelve percent more. Uh, than they would with cash when they use a debit card and 18% more when they use a credit card. And so if we don't have access to that credit card, if we don't use a debit card, we're 18% or 12% more likely to have success. Actually, it's probably incorrect math there, but um, <laughs> we have that opportunity to save that amount of, uh, extra amount of money and put it towards paying off our debt. And then the last one, and I think is probably one of the biggest ones for us, is um, to have a financial plan. You can't get anywhere unless you have a plan, whether it's vacation or going across town or arriving to where you want in the future financially. You can't do that unless you have a plan. And there are studies that show that simply having a financial plan gives you 32% more in retirement income on average. So that's a huge disparity, um, and all you have to do is just have an idea of what your what your what your goals and objectives are with your money. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing the that that detail. I'll be sure to uh, have a link to the book as well as your website in the show notes. Um, we're going to wrap up a little bit here, but I wanted to leave the audience here with uh, if you could give them one piece of advice for those folks that are strapped with debt right now or bombarded by their credit cards and they don't know where to start, what do you think the first thing that they should do in order to start cleaning this up? Uh, yeah, we're often asked this question in interviews and, and the underlying, you know, the idea is, can you give us a tip or a trick to help us get out of debt? And, and our experience and our belief is that, you know, the tips and tricks that work for us might not necessarily work for you and, and vice versa. But what is what we think universally applicable is that we all have a, a purpose in life. We all have a why. Um, there's a reason why we were put on this earth. And there's a reason why we're attracted to or have an affinity towards certain things. You know, I heard a, a podcast this week um, of Sean Croxton's, Sean Croxton's quote of the day. And the speaker on that 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 podcast said that when we're being when we're growing in our mother's womb, um, our purpose is being stitched into us. And I love that 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 sort of the picture that that provides because that suggests that we are all given a purpose. Um, and so our one piece of advice is to figure out what your why is, what your purpose in life is. And when you figure out what your purpose is and you rid yourself of all those distractions, then you can get not only your personal life in order, but you can also get your your financial life in order. Well, it sounds like you guys have discovered your why of being able to save for retirement, travel a lot, and have some fun, and then obviously give back to your community, uh, both through uh, your time uh, as well as uh, through the ways you guys are educating people. So thank you for, for doing that and, and being good good people in the personal finance community. Thank Absolutely. you. Well, thank appreciate you. It. We appreciate it. Excellent. So where could people learn more about you and your mission to free everyone from debt? Sure. Um, it's just search for Debt Free Guys. will pop up on all the social media channels. Uh, and then if you want to listen to our podcast, it's Queer Money, uh, which is on iTunes and Stitcher. And you can also find it on our website. We post it every Wednesday. 
Excellent. And the website is debtfreeguys.com? Correct. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you both so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And congratulations on all your success in clobbering that debt and, uh, and your start to a successful marriage. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much for letting us uh, sharing your platform. Yes, thank you. Battling adversity, making major improvements in their lives, and starting their marriage off on the right financial footing. David and John, congratulations on your success, and thank you for sharing your awesome debt-free story. (laughs) I absolutely love how this couple is giving back to their community in the form of education and inspiration. It is super motivating for me in my mission to create a forum where people learn how to win with their family finances. Networking and and speaking to like-minded folks like David and John, it gets me fired up that I'm headed down the right path as well. I would love to hear your thoughts on today's podcast. Are you crushing your credit card debt right now or any debt for that matter? What are your thoughts on credit cards overall? Are they your friend? Are they your foe? Do you have a it's complicated situation like they used to have on Facebook with the relationship status? Anyway, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 36 and tell me about it. At that same link, I will have all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. Don't forget to check out the free book and the free trial of Audible at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash audible as well. Your subscription will support this show. So thank you for giving it a go. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from John Quincy Adams. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. Let's do something inspiring today, my friends. Carpe diem. (laughs) 